0: Workforce Health Engagement, episode 22, How Well-Being Engagement Trumps Wellness, featuring Doug Stover from Gallup. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. According to the Gallup organization, only 24% of employees at companies that offer a wellness program actually participate in it. What's more, only 12% of employees strongly agree that they have a substantially higher overall well-being because of their employer. Today we'll discuss what's wrong with the traditional approach to workplace wellness and how your organization can improve health, employee engagement, and the bottom line by taking a whole person approach that allows employees to thrive across five universal elements of well-being. Doug Stover is Senior Managing Consultant with Gallup. He's business leader for Gallup's well-being consulting practice, a strategic advisor for Gallup's leading clients, and a public speaker on well-being in corporate environments. Doug, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Jesse. I'm glad to be
0: here. What happens when companies add a well-being focus to their engagement program?
1: I think what we find is it it becomes an accelerant. Um, When we've studied engagement and then we've also studied well-being um, in silos, what we find is that both of them have an impact on the population and their performance. When you bring those two things together, though, you see quite a bit of a lift, and we look at things everywhere from customer impact Uh, to turnover rates, to profitability. Uh, And what we do see time and time again is that engagement really sets the stage. Um, It creates that level of trust uh, with the employee, and it also creates that emotional connection. But it's moving beyond and then thinking about the well-being of your population um, and ensuring that every day they show up for work, that they're performing at their highest possible level. That's where we really see that uh, incremental lift.
0: Now, you purposely use the word well-being as something broader than wellness. So how do you define well-being?
1: Well, it's interesting. We use well-being as really means a life well-lived. We felt that wellness was really too focused on and had very much a physical feel to it. Um, It's not that um, having a life well-lived isn't just about being happy. It's not about being successful, and it really isn't limited to physical health. Uh, These are outcomes of of high well-being, and that's really where we landed on. This is the term that defines um, those five elements that really engender what is a life well-lived.
0: You mentioned five elements, and I remember reading the book, Well-Being, the Five Essential Elements, a while back by a couple of your colleagues at Gallup, including Tom Rath, who's also actually been a guest on this show. But now here we are five years after that book was published. Does the research still show the the same five aspects of well-being are universally important to people all around the world?
1: Absolutely. and uh, The five elements are as critical today as they were five years ago, and, and we believe they will be um, 20 years out. Um, what we know, though, is, however, it's, what will continue to change is how we address them. Um, at a global level, in 2013, we actually released, uh, we asked 10 questions that comprise global well-being of 99% of the world's population, and our findings are being picked up by policymakers uh, from OECD to the Prime Minister of the UK, David Cameron. So. We know that it is taking notice. Folks are recognizing that this is an important component. We can't just measure performance of a country by GDP. Um, It it almost becomes too narrow, and it's not worth much without health. And we're finding that leaders know this, and it's really uh, creating a global movement.
0: What are those five elements of well-being?
1: So the five elements themselves are purpose, which is liking what you do each day and being motivated to achieve your goals. Uh, Social, which is having supportive relationships and love in your life. Uh, financial, managing your economic life to reduce stress, increase security, Uh, community, which is liking where you live, feeling safe, having pride, and then finally physical, uh, which is having good health and enough energy to get things done on a daily basis.
0: And those five elements are interdependent, right?
1: Extr- yes, very much.
0: What, what does that mean and why is that
1: important? Well, it's important to recognize that the five elements, um, they, they are interdependent. What we found is that um, if we're struggling in any of these elements, it damages our overall well-being and it wears on our daily life. So consider for a moment the effects of not liking what you do each day and the impact that would have on your ability to maintain strong relationships at home or even commit to some sort of a physical activity regimen. Uh, so when we look at the U.S. population, in fact, we found that nearly a quarter weren't thriving in any elements at all, uh, and only about 25% were thriving in one. Um, what's, so when we begin to think about the interdependence, we we do find that it is important, and they begin to feed off of each other.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just think even the reverse would be a lot of people maybe only exercise to try to manage their weight, but I also find that if I don't exercise regularly. Um, I'm just less likely to want to spring out of bed and be excited about what I'm doing at work that day.
1: Absolutely. Um, the other way to think about it, too, is that um, if work, if my life gets in the way, um, whether it be financial concerns, where I live, or my job itself, um, I'm not necessarily as motivated to, to get out there and work out. What was interesting around that research we did in the U.S. population is we found, with all of the focus on physical well-being, only about 4.3% said that they were thriving in physical only. And what that draws attention to is the interdependence, in particular, the fact that it's difficult to have high physical well-being without thriving somewhere else in your life. So that begins to, to make us take a step back and think about, well, is it, and that's really where our research came from, is is it just physical or is it something much broader? And obviously you can see to be thriving in physical only is very difficult because it has such a tremendous influence on other areas of your life as much as they have influence on your ability to actually go out and, and, and take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, that ability is a big deal. It's interesting that all five of those areas arguably are aspects of life that we can do something about. Um, and why is that important?
1: Well, I think it, it's very important. as As our research has continued to evolve, that was one of the things we focused on. Um, It's one thing to measure, but um, if you're measuring and there's nothing that can be done about it, it actually becomes uh, disheartening or almost a barrier. The five elements as we look at them, these are things that you or I uh, can take advantage of, we can change in our own daily lives. But there are also things that, a leadership, that le- our leadership can look at, whether it be in a community, in a country, or in a company, and say, hey, these are some areas that we can begin to s- provide support for our employees. So it expands that conversation, and it also gives folks um, the ability and, and the belief that, hey, I can actually change this. I'm not beholden to something else. There's not outside factors that are, that are challenging me.
0: Now, getting back to this difference between well-being and what would be traditionally considered wellness, Gallup has found that most employees don't participate in a workplace wellness program. What's what's going wrong there?
1: Well, you know, what we found through our research is there's really four elements um, or four questions that that we need to ask ourselves. And and the first is, well, how are we defining it, right? So um, do we take a holistic view that addresses the different elements, or are we primarily focused on physical and that's important because most of us are aware that physical health, it, it's a key determinant of life well lived. But unfortunately, as, we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, life just seems to get in the way. So a lot of times, hey, I get it. I know I need to be uh, eating better, nutrition. I know I probably need to quit smoking. But you know what? I've got other problems that supersede that, and it's just not on my radar. Um, one of the other critical components we found, though, is does, your, does the culture support it? Um, so employees experience something that we call perceived organizational support Um, it's their perception to the extent of which the organization actually uh, values their contribution and cares about their well-being and what we found through our research is that if the the perceived organizational support is low well-being interventions go nowhere Uh, so for them to have success it really needs to be a part of your culture and the values Um, it's not just something we pay lip service to but it's something that you experience daily um, and the other two pieces are as important, if not more important. Uh, the one is, is the role of your manager. Um, they establish the trust that's needed for well-being to thrive. So before we as managers can talk to our employees about their health, we really need to ensure that they've engaged uh, in the conversation, that they're engaged, or, or what we're finding is that that conversation kind of feels, it falls flat. And then the last piece is that well-being still, as much as we can do as leaders um, to create the right environment, uh, for well being and to put all the programs in place it 's just an individual conversation. everybody engages uh at a different point everyone gets on to the well-being train so to speak at a different station um and so are we providing employees or individuals that opportunity to engage where they most need it today uh and is it something that we are constantly making available it's it's almost from a nudge mentality more so than it is from a hey that's just one more thing i have to add to my my basket of uh things to do today
0: mhm well i'd like to break some of that down you mentioned the company culture and the structures that support well-being. Can you give us some examples that, that actually work?
1: Sure. So, I mean, when we're thinking about the company's culture, we're really, we begin by thinking about it of what is their identity? Um, so is this, in in effect, is well-being integrated into the organizations, their beliefs, their behaviors, uh, and then also the systems? And so, really, what we're thinking about from a cultural perspective is leadership um, are we making the are, are we modeling the right behaviors? Are we setting the right example? Are we communicating the importance um, from a values perspective? Um, what are the attitudes and the assumptions? Uh, who do we reward? who do we recognize? Um, if you think about it, who are the heroes in the company? Is it the folks that have the pizza boxes that are sitting outside the cube because they pulled that that another all nighter or is it the individual who is really buttoned up and gets their job done day in and day out. But you know what? They can leave every so often and go home and spend time with their family and maybe contribute to the community. It doesn't stop there, though. From a cultural perspective, um, we want to think about human capital. So are we hiring people um, that that actually believe and, and, and uh, uh, um, think about well-being Do we develop them in that way? Um, How are we developing them? Um, This is really where engagement plays such a critical role. What are we doing to create that level of trust? Um, We also, the the last two would be structure. Um, So how are we aligned? Um, Do we have a, uh, a work from home culture that we are basically spread out or are we a matrixed organization? Um, How do we get our jobs done? And then the final piece, which is very important here, is uh, performance. So um, how do we hold folks accountable? Um, What do we incentivize them to do? It's it's fascinating. As much as we want to believe that people are are going to pursue well-being because they they feel that there's an altruistic nature, and there is, um, when they make decisions around their job and they make decisions around what is important and what is not, they're going to look at how they're rewarded and how they're held accountable.
0: And then, how about the this idea about managers? For example, what what are some examples there of where managers can either work against the organization's well being efforts or actually promote them?
1: Well, yeah, no, it's funny. Um, managers, uh, as I mentioned, play a really critical role. And there was a study that was done by Danny Kahneman a couple years ago, and he asked the question of who do you want to spend time with every day? Um, and this was in line with what the well being research that we were doing. So. Which no surprise, although maybe the order might be a surprise to some. Um, friends was number one, relatives was number two, and significant others was number three. So clearly this was a blinded study, so that no <laughs> one's significant other picked up on that. <laughs> but, but, but what was fascinating, though, was, all right, so who fell out at the last, uh, at the bottom? So third from last were your customers, second from last were the coworkers, and dead last was the boss. And so what we were finding is that um, – you know, through our research, we found that, that the boss has this um, it, it almost creates this environment where, it, through extensive re- research, we found that, that heart attacks are more prevalent to occur and more likely to occur on Mondays when I'm going back to work. Um, and so what we even found was that more than 3,000 workers who were deemed their manager to be at least competent had 24 percent higher risk of a serious heart problem. Mm. So manager plays a really critical role because they establish the trust. For well-being to be able to succeed um, and that's really what we found that that they have this critical component can they help an employee answer questions like am i able to get the job done today um, can i contribute and and my contributions i feel like i'm recognized am i a part of something bigger and and do i see a future with the company managers enable an employee to answer those questions but then they will, what we've also found is that where managers are setting that right benchmark and that uh, creating that right environment Um, Suddenly, you're able to ask questions around, uh, and and we found that that managers have the ability to influence well-being. So um, we know that if you are more engaged, you're 23% more likely to participate uh, in a well-being. If you're highly engaged, 23% more likely to participate in a well-being program. Uh, And then consequently, what we know is that when we look at our engagement research, managers account for 70% of the variance with respect to engagement. So you can start to see the connection points. Um, Most folks don't like hanging out with their manager to begin with, but yet the manager has a tremendous amount of influence on what they can and can't get done.
0: So part of it is the manager actually setting a good example by having healthy, uh, well-being related actions and behaviors, actually getting enough sleep, doing the hard work of carving out enough time for vacation and exercise and being involved with, with family events. Because a lot of times you you tend to see the, the people that rise up in a company are the ones that sacrifice all those areas in for the sake of the company's bottom line.
1: And that, that speaks a lot to the culture of the company, too. So who do we reward and who do we recognize? Mm. Um, I don't think we ever want to paint the picture, though, that, that putting in that effort um, shouldn't be rewarded and shouldn't be recognized. I think that, um, you know, we all are going to at times in our career need to make sacrifices. That's just part of advancement in the career. The question though becomes is on a daily basis, what is the example that we're, we're setting and providing uh, for our employees? Um, there was a manager that, that I talked to at one point that had a great story. Um, they talked about uh, wanting to be the last one to leave. Right. So at the end of the day, they made sure they were the last one to leave. Now, you could view that through two lenses. One would be, well, then everyone else just sticks around and waits and so you've got a lot of folks that are just kind of watching the clock and wanting to see who's the first one to leave because then they can they that gives them the right to go. But this was a different lens, which what she was talking about was I'm the last one to leave because I'm not going to let someone sit there and have to keep working on something where I could be of assistance. So, I'm going to make sure that everyone has, has gotten the right assistance, gotten the interaction that they need, and I'll help them so that they don't spend the late nights consistently. Now, it's not to say that every so often you need to do that, um, and you will need to put in a little extra time. You'll need to work on a weekend, and that's just the cost of success. The question, though, is are we creating an environment where that is the norm, uh, or are we creating an environment where it's more the exception?
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. I may be the last one to leave, but it's because I've I've uh, gone around and and made sure that my people are being well supported.
1: Exactly, and and so I mean, look, we always hear the horror stories of the people that. Yeah, I, I was kind of done at about five, but um, you really can't leave till six. So I just kind of hung out and I waited. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, great. So you spend a lot of time just sitting there and surfing the web, um, you know, because inevitably either that you know obviously there's there's other issues at play there um let's not be mistaken but at the same time you know when you have the ability sometimes to, to kind of break out a little early you know that those employees if there's a level of trust that they're going to come back and when they have to stay late they're going to stay late that's the definition of an engaged employee is that look i it's not that that i'm not going to do my job and not um put in the discretionary effort um it's just that look when when I'm going to do it I'll be there and when when I know that you have trust in me that if you know on a say on a Thursday I was able to wrap things up a little early so I could go to my son's ball game you're not going to it's not punitive.
0: Do you recommend that managers engage employees in conversations on a maybe even on a one-on-one basis in the different areas of well-being or do you risk sort of overstepping the the boundaries, um, asking people about their their financial well being, for example.
1: Financial well being is of the five that is the hot button, right? Because obviously, if you're talking to someone about financial well being, uh, at some point it can deteriorate to I need a raise. <laughs> and it, and if you find, depending upon your industry, say hospitality, for instance, where folks are working at minimum wage, or you know, and 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 food and beverage, uh, where they are. That's a very difficult conversation to have as well. What's interesting about the financial well-being is that the questions are not designed to ask about, do you make enough money? It's really, asking to, to, it's really designed to begin to, to understand, are you prepared? Have you thought about, and you're managing your economic life to reduce stress? Um, have you thought about how you save and and things of that nature and so um, from that perspective um, you know if you know what we found for managers you can have conversations around those topics but it's more or less to say hey you know what Um, we've got Dave Ramsey or one of his associates will be coming to the company Um, or you know we have a 401k have you participated in it Um, someone from from benefits will be down to talk about it I'd like you to spend time Um, Making sure that you're giving the employees the ability to access that information and making sure that they're aware that that information is available is a very important role of the manager Um, because it's really twofold. One, in a lot of cases, this information is held on a static site somewhere deep buried in the bowels of the company. Um, so knowing about it is 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 is, is obviously the, the first step, but more importantly is feeling that you know and giving the employee the, um, the 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 trust that they know. Hey, if if I want to go participate in that program on a Friday afternoon, um, it's not going to look poorly on me that I maybe took my lunch break and that's what I did.
0: Now, Doug, you mentioned the questions that are asked, and you're referring to Gallup's actual well-being survey instrument, which companies can implement. But really, even any individual can do that. If if they go out to the website, any individual can complete that survey and get uh, a personal report, right?
1: Well, that's actually a little bit different. Um, unfortunately, it's not available if someone just wanted to go log on and uh, participate. Uh, there are different ways that organizations can make it available, um, and so we're seeing uh, different uh, communities uh, and different um, companies uh, and, and organizations that are making that an option for an individual if they wanted to take the Wellbeing 5, um, which is essentially an individual measure. At an organizational level, um, we have what we call the Wellbeing 5 view, and it's termed the view because what it enables us to do um, from a corporate perspective is take a look at how Wellbeing is actually tracking within the organization. You can actually, if you think about um, a a stoplight, um, you can have areas that will be red, yellow, and green. And so then if I'm I'm thinking about next year where I want to make my investments or if I want to understand the impact of my investments, that's kind of an ability for an organization to look in. Um, Both of those measures, though, um, are tied to the Global Wellbeing Index. and, And so essentially what is happening or what can happen is that an individual can compare their well-being across the five elements uh, to, their, to their community, to their company, to their state, and really against the world. And so you're starting to see it's what we termed affectionately the golden thread. Um, but you know we're all global citizens, so it's important to understand where we fit. But from a leadership perspective, it's important to understand where our country or where our community sits so that we can start to understand where do we need to invest our resources, what do we need to be doing more of.
0: Let's talk about a little bit about the results of taking this more holistic approach to well-being. How does well-being promote the the greater business good and in, in the bottom line where what's good for the individual is also good for the organization and its customers?
1: Sure. So, well-being certainly can be viewed as an as an antecedent to to customer uh performance and to profitability, but what we found within organizations and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, um, it's an accelerant uh, where uh, an organization is high engagement and high well-being um, what we found is that um, the percent of customers that were, were more likely to agree that they've had an impact uh, in a business-to-business setting um, you know that that problem resolution is higher um, that questions are answered faster so we find that the customer service um, and then even profitability and an impact in a business-to-business environment for one just to, to choose to, to, to look at one specific area, um, we find that where higher well being exists, performance is increased significantly. And it stands to reason, this makes sense. If we think about an individual who's on top of their game, um, who feels good, feels healthy, um, and is excited to be in the role they're in, um, that's going to transfer. Um, that is actually we, it's almost like a halo effect that will then uh, bleed over into the customer's experience and they're going to see it on a day-to-day basis
0: and there's actual data that shows that that's not just because um, it, it, it sort of sounds like something that a, a, a manager of let's say corporate wellness would pitch to senior management now r- really trust me if, if we invest in employees it's gonna it's gonna help the end customers but you're saying you actually have data that uh, that's a, that shows that really uh, in fact happens.
1: Well, yes, so what we found is that um, where an individual is thriving, um, so essentially we think about well-being for a second and we go back to an individual who's thriving in five elements versus someone who's only thriving um, in physical, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, If you're thriving in five, the additive effects are you miss 41% less work, you're 81% less likely to look for a new job, and you're 65% less likely to file a claim. So that's just looking at well-being versus physical. Why that's important is that, obviously, if we think about customer interactions, um, the more turnover that we have, you lose those relationships, you lose the training, you lose the investment, and then you have to rebuild every time these people either turn or when they're not available. From a uh, performance perspective, though, we looked at a professional services company in particular, what we found was um, we asked uh, the customers, would they agree that the company has had a significant impact on your performance? So we asked the customer in this environment, did um, this professional services company have a significant impact on your performance? Um, Where the employees of that professional services firm had high well-being, they uh, outperformed the other group by about 16.5%. So that's the, that's asking the customer. So what you're essentially doing is you're looking at the well-being of the employee that's providing service to the customer. So their team's well-being that is working on site with a customer. And then you're going to the customer and asking them, how have you performed? And how has how has this relationship been? And where well-being is high, they're saying they actually provide more impact on my business on a day-to-day basis. You
0: mentioned that when adults are thriving in all five elements, that they're 65% less likely to have a workplace accident. And I'm surprised how many employers, organizations, don't have a stronger partnership between the safety department who would be all over that goal of trying to get 65% fewer workplace accidents and the health care benefits group who's trying to reduce... Um, their, their health care costs and get people healthier, that a lot of times they're, they're in, in silos and yet they both have very strong departments reaching out throughout the organization. And if they work together, they, they, it seems like they could help implement this culture uh, a little more strongly. And also a partnership with the talent management group who's going to really care about that, that 80%, 81% less likely to look for a new employer.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Um, You you find in traditional organizations, there are still silos that exist between those different groups. Um, One of the other ones that you could even add in there, um, although it might make the party pretty crowded, um, you could think about operations and or marketing. Because if we think about it from a marketing perspective, what is it that we are promising to our customers and our prospects? Um, Because whatever we're promising, they're going to expect and that influences the behavior of our employees. Right? So you can really start to think about how are we aligned as an organization, and that goes back to a concept I introduced earlier, which is the identity of your company. So it's, you know, what is your purpose, but also, um, you know, how is it that your culture supports that, um, and what is it that you are currently doing, and so that is where human resources, benefits, and operations play a considerable role in understanding how are we going to support our purpose, how are we going to support our brand.
0: Doug, this might be a good time to ask a question that's come through from one of our followers. Lori asks, I'd like to know how Gallup's data breaks out for hourly versus salaried employees or plant versus office. Are the same benefits of well-being true in both environments? What's the level of participation in wellness programs among plant employees?
1: You know, um, it's interesting. What we've found is that the five elements um, apply regardless whether you be hourly or salary. So there really is no difference. Um, What we do find, though, in in several instances is obviously, um, depending upon the environment within which you're in, your well-being may have a chance to thrive. So in many cases, salaried versus hourly, depending upon the industry, um, we'll see some differences. Uh, We haven't looked at it specifically to plant versus corporate office, but what we have done, and there's an article that is available on gallup.com, is we looked at it based on uh, profession. So you can actually begin to go through and look at well-being of, say, um, doctors and nurses versus folks who maybe consider themselves consultants and or factory workers.
0: Hmm. Okay. And we'll put a link to that article in our show notes for this episode. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Gallup specifically. And in the last few years, Gallup's focus on well-being has led to a joint venture with Healthways, Inc. Tell us about that.
1: So that actually uh, came about in 2007. Um, both of our companies got together with our senior leadership and, and recognized that we had a mutual mission to address the current healthcare spending trends um, that, that continue to be unsustainable. And it was our belief that in order to solve the challenge, we really needed to look at the different at data differently. Um, so uh, as, as a country, uh, we needed to begin to understand what are the indicators that could tell us about things like obesity and smoking uh, and, and the like. Um, but we didn't have any instruments that went beyond physical wellness um, and traditional health risk factors. So we wanted to think about it a little differently. And that's what um, evolved into the, the original Gallup Health Ways Wellbeing Index. Um, and then if you fast-forward a couple of years and now we've gotten quite a bit of research under our belts we realize that there's the ability to begin to understand how to make this more actionable at an individual level um, and create that thread that I talked about going from the individual all the way to the country uh, but then more importantly um, Gallup and Healthways uh, the way that that we work and where our um, uh, if we think about our core competencies and, and where we excel Healthways um, is really focused on the individual and understanding how to get the individual on board and how to keep them on board and how to make it sustainable and how to raise you know and focus on population health. Where Gallup comes into play is that our focus is more from a, a leadership down. So it's almost um, the, the you know if we think about the individual as the grassroots, um, Gallup thinks about things more at the grass tips and coming back down, and so creating an environment for an individual to get on board. And that goes back to the beginning of this conversation was we put these programs out there, but only 24% of folks are actually raising their hand and participating. Why is that? Well, there's a number of factors, but one of the big ones is a lot of companies just haven't created the right environment for folks to get on board to begin with. And so the two of us then can work together with a lot of organizations and communities to understand, A, are we creating the right environment for these programs to succeed? And then, B, have we given the, the, have we given the individual what they need to actually go out and, and become a thriving? Just
0: by way of an example of that, can you tell us a little bit about what's, what's been going on with uh, Texas Health Resources?
1: So Texas Health Resources is is an interesting – they're a client of Healthways that is doing some some fascinating work where um, actually you can go onto their website and you can uh, view some of the commercials. Now, if you live, though, in their zip codes where they provide coverage, uh, you have the ability to go out and take the Wellbeing 5 itself. That's sponsored by uh, Texas Health Resources. The idea, then, is that um, the individual will get their own Wellbeing score and can then come back and consult with their primary care physician and, and talk about, this is what I'm seeing. You know, Let's think about how I can begin to address some of these challenges. Um, It does go beyond physical, right? Uh, So if you think about this, it's not necessarily just the conversation with your primary care physician, but it's meant to educate the population that, hey, your health is more than just your blood pressure. Um, Your health is everything that feeds into your blood pressure. And what decisions are you making on a daily basis? And that's very important. Um, So what we're also able to do then is we can measure that community and see where Texas Health Resources compares um, the community that they provide coverage, how they compare to uh, Texas in general, and then how they compare across the country and, and really across the globe.
0: Doug, where can people find out more about you and what Gallup and Healthways are doing?
1: Well, that's a great question, Jesse. Um, right now, um, the Gallup.com and Healthways.com are, are really going to be the best resources. Um, but just to give you a You know, an interesting, um, uh, I I guess a task is probably a better way to put it, but so we constantly refresh Gallup.com in almost a newspaper setting or format so that we are constantly releasing updated information and findings from our research around well-being. Um, But in addition, um, you may have noticed that uh, a couple weeks ago we released the state rankings for well-being uh we do uh polling every night about 500 complete tonight around the US which enables us on an annual basis to rank the states and their well-being um, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but if your readers or your followers um, want to go to Gallup.com or Healthways.com, they can get a sense of where their state fell in the rankings. Um, we will be releasing more information around those findings as the year progresses. And then in the summer, we'll be releasing the second um, uh, edition of our global rankings where, as I mentioned before, um, we capture about 99% of the world's population and look at them through the lens of the five elements. And that will be coming out in, in the summer. So. In addition to the data that will be coming out, we also will have articles around and some of our findings and things that we talked about today
0: Doug, not to throw you for a loop but i I remember reading the uh, when that first came out when the recent rankings came out, and some of those states had a big jump like the the number one from last year I forget I think it was one of the Dakotas north Dakota North Dakota fell a great deal how how does why does something like that happen?
1: well, I mean what we'll find is obviously as you start looking at states um as we to continue to accumulate more information. But what was interesting was the the shakeup in the rankings is because uh, last year was um, between 2013 and 2014, um, we shifted the model from the original six elements to these five. Right, So I mm-hmm. talked earlier with the original well-being index, we were looking at things a little bit differently, um, and we had six components to, to the measurement. Um, we made that transition actually through this year, and so that's where we started to see some of the – as we redefined well-being, moving from the six domains, which were life eval, um, emotional health, work environment, physical health, and healthy behaviors, and basic access – and then we turned it to say it's actually we're going to be looking at more purpose, social, community, um, financial, and physical. Um, two things obviously should should speak volumes. Um, the second, uh, the elements are more actionable than things like basic access when we get down to the individual level. But it also then, as we revise the instrument, that's where we started to see some of the movement. Now, it wasn't considerable movement because we were able to, to lo- link back so that we weren't losing all the trending data. The trending data exists, but we were starting to place additional importance on some key areas that maybe the states didn't necessarily have in the past.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So you're you're shifting to those five more universal elements where you've got years and years now built up of data from around the world.
1: We Exactly. So we have trending data as well. Uh, because a lot of these questions were a part of the original index. It's just how we're asking them, and so we did make, and this is you know, from a research perspective, we made a conscious effort to focus that these questions that we are now asking around the well-being 5 um, provide the, the greatest ability to understand the differences across the five elements, and so that's where we wanted to place our focus and our emphasis. Um, that being said, though, you will see states move up and down, um, and the reason that that happens is that um, everybody's working towards this, so you're going to see that certain states are going to start to gain a little bit of traction. Others will not. Um, normally, you won't see folks fall from the, from the top quintile all the way to the bottom. Um, they'd have to have a, a cataclysmic <laughs> event for that to happen. Um, but you will start to see ones move. Obviously, what we have found is that um, this data begins to spur leadership on. Um, if we think about uh, Iowa, the state of Iowa, and Governor Branstad, he has made it a mission um, to make Iowa the healthiest state. And so they have a public-private partnership that's driving towards this. So mm. states are getting on board, and they're beginning to compete, which you know, it, for us is wonderful. It's a healthy competition uh, in every sense of the word.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Well, Doug Stover, Senior Managing Consultant in Gallup's Princeton office, thanks for joining the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much, Jesse. I really appreciated it.
0: You can find the show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash whe 2 as in Workforce Health Engagement, Episode 22. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comment section or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. Workforce Health Engagement is a production of Aspinel Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications, helping mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees and deliver superior business results. In several areas, not only health engagement, but also talent management, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at communications.com If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. For sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement.